1: Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia will be back with us in just a minute. We've got auto racing going on this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, and some auto, some truck. We're going to dive into it all with our NASCAR expert, Matt Sells from fantasyalarm.com. You can catch him on Twitter at The Sellsman, and of course, all his work over at fantasyalarm.com. He was the nascar writer of the year for 2019 he joins us now to give us a little bit of a preview we'll do a betting preview on the fanduel site we'll do a dfs preview for sunday on the fanduel site matt thanks for coming on the show what's going on
2: sure thing uh it's been pretty exciting week you know we just had uh, the all-star race on wednesday night chase yeah. elliott won that one uh reasonably exciting at bristol first time in 24 years it hasn't been at charlotte motor speedway um and it was also great to see fans back in the stands there was 30 yeah
1: that was <laughs> that was the one thing that I saw yesterday and it had me wondering like with the announcements that some of the the NFL things that are going on today like it, it does seem fans are coming back in some way
2: yeah I mean you know 30,000 seems like a lot of fans obviously on a just a sheer number basis but keep in mind that's still only 25 to 30 percent uh, capacity for bristol motor speedway that place holds somewhere between 100 to 120,000 people in normal circumstances so you know still plenty of room to space people out appropriately but that was a pretty that was a pretty fun race to watch for sure
1: it was all right so uh where where are we at this weekend i want to hit on the xfinity series race on saturday and then uh, and then on Sunday, we'll dive into the uh, O'Reilly Auto Parts 300. But let's start off with Saturday's Xfinity Series race. Where is the My Bariatric Basic Solutions 300? <laughs>
2: uh, I believe it's a triple header at Texas Motor Speedway uh, this weekend. Um, there was some doubt whether they would move the, uh, the races from Texas Motor Speedway because of the elevated... Uh, COVID numbers, but that doesn't seem to be the case, and their argument basically was, well, we're racing twice at Daytona International Speedway in August, so can't really move it from Texas if we're still going to race in Florida. Um, True. So, you know, the races are in Texas this week. It's a mile-and-a-half track. Um, you know, it's it's a fairly standard one if you want to compare it to other tracks. You can compare it to Charlotte. You could compare it to uh, Atlanta, for pretty decent baselines uh, for you know shape and how they're how they're going to run there.
1: Okay, well uh, let's start off with Saturday's odds. These are the betting odds over on the FanDuel sportsbook. We'll get Matt's opinion on these. Uh, the favorite and the clear favorite. Very rare to see a favorite this big in any NASCAR race since uh, racing has come back. Kyle Busch is minus one fifty. Uh, Chase Briscoe plus four twenty. Austin Sindrick is plus 600, so that's six to one. Noah Gragson will get you 11 to one on your money. Justin Algier is 14 to one, uh, and Ross Chastain is 14 to one. Now, look, I don't have a lot of familiarity with this, uh, Matt, and I, I know our our viewers and listeners don't as well. I'm sure they've heard of Kyle Busch and Chase Briscoe because. They, of course, race on Sundays, too. But you're going to have to do a little bit of a deeper dive for us into this Xfinity Series race on Saturday. Yes.
2: Yeah, so the reason why uh, Kyle Busch is such a massive favorite, you know, he's basically negative odds. <laughs> um, and he's an even bigger favorite in the Truck Series, by the way, if you look at those odds overall. Okay. He's an even bigger favorite. Uh, because the guy flat out dominates in those, those levels. You're talking about arguably the best. He's certainly still in the top three to top five Cup drivers this season. Um, he's the reigning Cup Series champion. And so if you're going down to, imagine Mike Trout going to double A. That's what basically the jump is. Good from analogy.
1: I like that. Trout
2: down to, you know, from Cup down to the Truck Series is basically Mike Trout going to double A. You'd basically expect the guy to hit four home runs in four at bats against some fresh out of college pitcher that has no experience against him. So uh, also Kyle Busch owns a truck team. So there's a reason why he's really good in the truck series. He drives his own equipment. It's the best truck out there Um, for the Xfinity series. He's still driving Joe Gibbs racing equipment, which is who he races for in the cup series. So there's a reason why he's won 90 something races in the Xfinity series. I believe um, he's won more than 200 races combined between Truck Series, Xfinity Series, and Cup Series. So um, he's won a lot.
1: Yeah. Uh, and and, the, it, and listen, if anybody else wins, you'd win a lot of money, but it just doesn't seem that right. way. So
2: That's for right. the trucks, I would definitely bet on Kyle Busch the odds of somebody else winning pretty slim. That's also why he's really expensive uh, for Truck Series DFS. Um, and for Xfinity... If you want to take some other takers, because he's not been quite as dominant this year in Xfinity, uh, I would go with Noah Graxon, who's still fuming over the incident in Kentucky uh, last Sunday when he actually got into fisticuffs on pit road after the race with Harrison Burton. Uh, It actually came to a throwdown. They legitimately threw punches. Um, So he's still pretty upset. He's in top flight equipment. He's you know, when Kyle Busch isn't there, Noah Gragson's one of the top two or three drivers in the Xfinity series. So I would go with either Noah Gragson or Kyle Busch.
1: All right, fair enough. Let's move on to Sunday. This is the O'Reilly Auto Parts 300. And we're going to look at this from a DFS perspective. We cover it all here. Gambling, DFS, we got it all for you. Uh, Let's start off here with the favorites and the guys that cost the most money over at the FanDuel DFS site, Kevin Harvick is 14500 Denny Hamlin 13300 Martin Truex Jr. is 13000 Kurt Busch a little bit lower down this week at 12400 and Chase Elliott is at 12000 And then we have a few uh, others to go over, Matt, but before we do that, uh, who from the higher priced drivers do you think that you'll be building your lineups with this week?
2: So it's hard not to sound like a broken record here, but you kind of got to focus on Kevin Harvick once again. Uh, The guy has been super dominant. He arguably should have won at Kentucky last Sunday, which is another mile and a half track. Had Martin Truex Jr. not bumped him on a restart, Kevin Harvick wins that race instead of Cole Custer. Kevin Harvick almost won the all-star race. Had it gone about another 10 laps, he probably had a car fast enough to catch Chase Elliott. And he's been the fastest car on the track basically every week, no matter where they went. And, oh, by the way, Kevin Harvick has won three of the last five races at Texas and has a runner-up in the other one. So there's really no shock here as to why I'm going Kevin Harvick. Um, in terms of DFS, he's also starting a little further back, which adds to his value because you get built-in place differential points. Sure. Um, plus, we expect him to lead quite a lot of laps. Um and if he leads a bunch of laps, that really adds to his value on FanDuel. Um, another guy who I th- who's pretty hard to avoid right now is Chase Elliott. guy just won a million dollars on Wednesday night winning the all-star race. He's been, you know, based on a, a metric called green flag speed, which is basically they take all of the lap times run under green flag conditions, and they average those out and then rank them against the field. Chase Elliott has been the fastest car under green flag conditions basically all season long. Uh, and he clearly showed that at Bristol on Wednesday night. Uh, he was pretty quick at Kentucky as well. He was in the mix uh, for uh, for a decent amount of that race. So I would, I would focus on those two guys would be Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick.
1: All right, let's take a look at just some of the lower, uh, not the lower end guys, but the next tier. Logano, Blaney, Keslowski. Uh, Any of these others, Matt, that interest you here? Logano, 11,500. Blaney, 11,200. Keslowski, below 11,000. Anyone else here?
2: Uh, Ryan Blaney really interests me um, in terms of mile and a half tracks this year. Uh, Ryan Blaney's got an average finish that's better than 5.0. So uh, he's finishing towards the top every time they go to a mile and a half track, which is what Texas is. Um, so in terms of, um, FanDuel finish position is a huge part of the scoring sure. uh, because, you know, laps led and laps completed, you know, you get nice little chip ins there, but they're only a 10th of a point per each one. So, uh, finish position where you're getting, like, if you finish top five, you're going to get like 38 points just as a base. Uh, Ryan Blaney makes a pretty nice play also in that range or a little bit below, I guess, is Christopher Bell. Uh, he's starting 33rd again. He seems to be getting the raw end of the deal in these random draws. He's like 25th in owner points, but he keeps getting the back end of that range in the draw. Um, the last, I think four or five consecutive races, he started either 30, uh, 34, 35th or 36th. Now he's starting 33rd. So he's moving up a little bit, but he's still got plenty of place differential upside. Uh, for us and expect him to be a very popular play
1: on FanDuel. All right, we got a minute left, Matt. Uh, Are you excited for baseball next week? Uh,
2: I am, yeah. We get... uh... I don't know who to root for in the opening series, though, because I'm both a Yankees fan and a Nationals fan. Yeah,
1: you're a fan of both those teams, huh? Yeah,
2: and I own both Scherzer and Cole, depending on which fantasy. (laughs)
1: And and you're only going to have like 10 starts apiece from these guys. Yeah, I know.
2: So it's like, I don't know who to, I'm just rooting for good baseball (laughs) at this point. um, I want my Nats to look like there was a reason they won the World Series last year.
1: Yeah.
2: But yeah, it should be pretty interesting watching the Yankees and Nats play each other way more often than they normally do.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely think so. Well, Matt, listen, uh, thanks again, once again, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. We'll check out uh, all the racing coming up. And even with baseball coming back and basketball, we'll definitely still have you here on the show as we go and preview some of the bigger races uh, toward the end of the NASCAR season. Who would have thought that we'd still have the NASCAR season? But here we are, and uh, we'll keep rolling with it. Thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Sure thing. All right, make sure you uh, follow Matt Sells on Twitter at the Sellsman, and, of course, all of his work over at Fantasy Alarm and FantasyAlarm.com. And uh, NASCAR just continues to capture a lot of uh, people's attention here this time of the year. A lot of people are watching it, enjoying it, and we certainly are doing the same thing, too, from a betting and DFS perspective. Coming up next here on the show, we got a lot to get to. In fact, do you think that the Cleveland Indians, who missed the postseason for the first time last year in a while, Or the Cincinnati Reds, who haven't made the postseason in a long time, both make the playoffs, both make the postseason in the 60-game season. Joe will join us next, and we'll come back and we'll discuss the possibilities of both those teams making the postseason in 2020. And then after that, the always fun Gray Albright joins us here on the show as well as we dive into some of his potential rankings. And he's got a couple of guys that he liked back in March that he really likes in the 60-game season as well. So we will take a quick timeout as Joe Pizzoppia joins me next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't forget, coming up a little bit later, Scott Farrell going coast to coast as we continue on here on Sports Grid. Stay on the grid. Follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid, and we'll be back in just two minutes as we dive into postseason odds in Major League Baseball. Don't go away. Greg and Joe here with you. As a reminder, our show moves to noon to 2 Eastern starting on Monday. So those of you who watch us on Fantasy Sports Today live over on YouTube or SportsGrid.com or Roku or any of the other apps that you watch, make sure that when you tune in at 11, you stay tuned all the way to 12. The morning after is now a three-hour show on television and on radio, and our show is two hours on television. So make sure that you stick with us every single day. Starting next week, we are live At noon, just a quick programming reminder. Of course, we'll have a weekend edition of the show coming up this weekend, but noon is the new start time for our show as the baseball season kicks off next week. So uh, today, you know, a tale of two teams, Joe, I think we're going to cover. We're going to cover the playoff odds for the Cincinnati Reds and the Cleveland Indians. And certainly the two teams in Ohio, you could say maybe are going in two different directions. The last decade has been dominated by the Cleveland Indians making the playoffs. And the last decade has been dominated by the Cincinnati Reds missing the playoffs. That's pretty much the way that it's gone. And maybe things are changing. Maybe the tide is changing. But seeing is believing. And I think that for some people, they probably have to actually see, for example, (laughs) the Reds get better before they predict them to be better because they can keep adding as many players as they want. And remember, they did add a lot of players last year, too. A lot of one-year deals. They added Bauer. They added Puig. They added Sonny Gray. I know a couple of the guys worked out. A couple didn't. But I think that Reds fans are probably saying, you know, oh, this is all very nice. You added Castellanos and some of these other <laughs> players, but show me a postseason, and right. then we can start to get excited about it.
3: Well, they added one player who's got a lot of postseason experience over the last five years, and that's Mike Mustakis. When you add a winner... Like Mike Moustakis, I think that is a game changer kind of thing. He is a top of the step of the dugout kind of guy. He is, you know, it's not a coincidence that when you look at Milwaukee the last two years, oh, Mike Moustakis was there. When you look at the run of the Royals in, you know, 14, 15, 60. Oh, well, look at that. Mike Moustakis is there. So it's not surprising because there's certain players that are out there that they always dub the clubhouse guy, right? But Mike Moustakis backs it up, too. He's got the bat. Okay. He's also a guy that's willing to sacrifice for the team. He changed positions for God's sakes. And I don't think a lot of us were skeptical. I know I was that he's going to move from third to second. Mike was Really? That's going to work. And he did it. And he was okay. <laughs> he was actually pretty good there. So this is a guy who was all about winning. And I think that rubs off on people. Now the problem is sometimes we add a lot of new pieces to a new team. It takes a little longer for things to gel and 60 games is not very long. So I think the reds here are in a tenuous spot, but, What the Reds do have is the upside of pitching. You mentioned Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray was absolutely fantastic last year. And I was out. I was out on Sonny Gray. It was just too much of a risk. i had seen too much bad Sonny Gray. I was really happy it worked out. You look at the second half, too. It was just as good, if not better, than the first half. The real question here is not Castillo. It's not Gray. It's not even Descalfani. It is Trevor Bauer. What do you get out of Trevor Bauer, who ironically came over from the other team in Ohio? So if Trevor Bauer is good, Trevor Bauer, this is a playoff team. If Trevor Bauer is nearly six ERA, Trevor Bauer, which he was last year when he came over in that deal, sure. they are not a playoff team. And yes, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but I don't think I am correct. I think this basically hinges on Trevor Bauer because the lineup is really good. The defense, pretty good athletic team. They're going to run a little bit. Akiyama's a nice player. If Senzel can get anything finally out there, that's great. But man, it's about Trevor Bauer at the end of the day.
1: Wow, all on one guy, huh? Yep, Um, that's it. Well, let's look at their odds, shall we? Yeah, let's look at it. We haven't done that yet. Yeah, let's look at it. Or maybe we have, and I just don't know it. No, uh, I don't think we did. Yes is minus 130, so risking 130 to win 100. No is plus 105, so clearly here it's telling you it's more likely uh, that they will make the postseason than not, which is actually pretty surprising. They have not made the postseason since 2013, I, I, look, I, I would probably lean no just because I'm going to go off the last six years of baseball. And, look, I do think that Bauer makes up a big part of what they do. But I, I, I simply can't put nine games that he pitches on the line as to whether or not they make it or not. Because if the dude is 500, I don't think that that would have mattered
3: one way or the other. Um, I don't think that's enough. See, I'll, I'll take the stance of if he's just 500, that's not enough. Because I think you need him. If you're a playoff team, you're above 500, right? So if you look at the rotation, you think two guys are back of the rotation guys. And I like Descofani, we pointed him out. But still, he's more of a back of the rotation guy. She you've got two guys potentially at the front. Then the difference between your 1-2 and your 4-5 is what do you get out of number three? Because you're going to hit. Like, this team is going to hit. They're going to score runs. But if he's just 500, then they're probably on the outside looking in. I think maybe they'll sneak in because it's a bigger maybe. playoff format. Format. The one thing I do think they have going for them too is they the bullpen might be a little better than people realize. Iglesias has been one of the steadier closers over the last five years. If you look at the numbers in terms of what you're getting out of him and the variability, is not that bad. Uh, Amir Garrett has been very good. Uh, he also brought in Pedro Strop too. Uh, there's some arms in the back of this bullpen, but and and look, you know, it, Trevor Bauer is capable. Of being really, really good for stretches, it's just sure. very difficult to know what is it that happened when he went from the American League to the National League last year, where there was no DH, where you would think everything would be fine, and it literally fell apart for him last year. It was very concerning, I think.
1: Yeah, and, and look, it's a hard team to to quantify. I'll pick. I'll take no here uh, a little bit on the no. and I'll
3: take no too because I think I'm, I, just, I think it's I, more I, of a next. I'm not going to
1: believe it until I see it and. The Reds are sort of run funny. I don't I don't really love the way that they have been doing things. And Senzel and Winker and all these other... Like, why, when is someone going to be really good for that team in terms of a prospect? Maybe it's this year. I don't know. But all of these years are drafting of Jonathan Indy and all these other players, and we're still waiting for a guy. So uh, I'll say no. Uh, on the Cleveland side, let's move over to the Indians. They, of course made the postseason 2016 and were very close to winning the World Series against the Cubs, and and people forget that, but they really were. It was very close. 2017, they made it. 2018, they made it, and then the Twins just basically got off to such an unbelievable start last year. The Indians were playing catch-up all season long, and it wasn't enough, so they missed the postseason. Uh, They're also favored to make the postseason in 2020 here, Their yes is minus 130, so for those of you who are newbies at the wagering at home, that means you're risking $130 to win 100, and the no is plus 106. So just a tick above where the Reds were, you get a little bit more bang for your buck on the no. Um, The pitching is too good for Cleveland for them not to be in this thing, and so Mm -hmm. I certainly think that they have a better shot of making it than the Reds do. Will the White Sox be somewhat formidable? (laughs) Look, I, I think that there's absolutely a chance of that. Will the twins be as good as they were last year or better? I do. I think that there's a chance of that too. But when you throw those three guys out there, and if it's very close in the last week of the season and you can throw Clevenger or you can throw Carrasco out there, um, you know, I, I I feel really good about it. I like Bieber a lot. I think he's an ace. You Mm -hmm. know, I like Savali. I drafted him on a fantasy I like Savali too. So they're, they're deep enough. Their hitting is, I think, good enough to get it done and this is their last ride. They're going to look different in 2021. So no, I, it's, I, I yeah, think they got to go for it.
3: It's definitely the last ride. They also have a manager who knows what it takes. And I, and I think that's that's the other X factor here. You know, having a manager who really knows how to win. And Francona knows how to win. Okay? And I think there's a really unique circumstances where it's sort of reminiscent of the movie Major League for the Indians. Where it's like, hey, we might as well just win the whole damn thing because pretty soon they're going to fire all of us, right? So go out there, win the whole thing, and then who knows what happens. I mean, if you give the city of Cleveland after all these years a world championship, they're not going to care that it was 60 games. They are not going to care at all. If the Cleveland Indians are in the World Series, it's going to be madness. If they win the World Series, it's going to be absolutely fantastic and who knows what might happen after that? And you're right. This rotation's really good. Not only is it good at the top, but they've also got some depth in there, too. they got guys like Plutko and Rodriguez, and they also got Tristan McKenzie and a couple other guys here that, like, if they need to go down and bring up some arms if there is an injury, they can do that. And not right. a lot of other teams can. Uh, you also have one of the best players on the planet, Francisco Lindor, who I think at 12 to 1 this year on FanDuel is a fantastic possibility uh, to be, you know, the MVP when all said and done. If you get the second half Jose Ramirez, where everything you know, started to go right again and not the first half Jose Ramirez. That's a big difference. Fran Mill Reyes for the entire length of this season is a big difference. This is a team right now that I think with the addition of Carlos Santana last year and all these things, I think they have enough to get it done. And they only have the pitching, they have the manager, they have that one player in Lindor who is transcendent. I really like their odds personally. I, I think this is very good. What do you think of the bullpen of the Cleveland Indians though? That's my big it's question okay. for you.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's okay. Probably above average would be the way that I would describe it. But you know, they're they're adding extra players and that's the one thing that I think that a bad bullpen can be helped
3: by mm-hmm. the
1: thirty man roster. So to me it's the least worry that I have for a team when a bullpen isn't very good going into the year, and conversely when a, a team has a really good bullpen going into the year. I don't know that that's a factor for the first two weeks of the season, Joe. Instead of having 25 guys, they went to 26 last year, they'll have 30 men for the yep. first two weeks of the season. So I suppose you could say that, I mean, on the one hand, one narrative is, is, oh, well, if you have two extra great arms, then you can add them and make them your 29th and 30th guy. But the opposite of that would say, well, if they were that good, then they'd be on the 26th hand <laughs> roster anyway.
4: So yeah, for in, me, in a theory. team with
1: a bad bullpen, I'm not really all that concerned. And by the way, a team that is willing to add can pluck a bullpen guy from somebody else. Sure. Is it a concern over 162? Yes. 60 games, 30 guys on your team? I, I should think
3: you'd be able to pull that together. For a yeah, I would think so. Another thing not to get lost in the shuffle here is they made two smaller additions to this team that I actually think are pretty good. One is Cesar Hernandez, who is a nice little yeah, power speed great, player. Right? Got him for free to play second base every day. And I think defensively, he's an upgrade over Kipnis, what they had there. And the other little addition they made there to DH and maybe play a little outfield is Domingo Santana, who got off like a house on fire last year. People forget hey, what the Mariners. Wanted him at all this off-season. Nobody wanted him last year. Nobody wanted him this year. But he was spectacular in the month of April into May.
1: Great hitter and a terrible and defensive the, player.
3: Right. But you know what? Going to DH him every day. The other yeah, problem was it. in Seattle... Everything fell apart so around it. where's Fran him.
1: Mill going to play then if
3: they do that? Uh, well, look, you might have to stretch everybody around and maybe, you know, try to take your lumps there with one of these guys in the outfield. Yeah, I, would,
1: maybe, I think Fran would be the guy to play. Fran Mill might be that
3: guy. But I, I, those are two other additions to this team where, you know, they plugged in some of the needs, a little bit more power, a little bit more speed, better defensive guy at second base, which can only help the pitching staff. So those are two additions that I like a lot. And Cesar Hernandez is one of the guys that I have in a lot of Roto Leagues because he was like a dollar player, he was a free player. But you go back and you look, he's got a couple 15-15 profiles seasons.
1: It was very good. It's just once Philly got Gregorious, that was it. They basically...
3: It is, but you the, know what? They're, yeah. And Mercado's there still. I know they picked up Delano DeShields, but obviously he's, you know... I'll tell you,
1: to- Mercado is the guy that I am probably the most surprised, maybe, of anybody in baseball. That, really? that player in particular, I would have bet against any day of the week after seeing him with the Cardinals for all of those years in spring training, a, you know, I mean, a five foot, nine, 150. Hey, (laughs) listen, I, 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 I I would be as tall as this kid. I never thought in a million years that he would end up being like a 20 home run guy. To me, it was unthinkable. He was a light hitting shortstop. The Cardinals basically gave him away, I think for like nothing to Cleveland. And now how often
3: are they wrong? Not very
1: all-star No, that, 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 was a shock i I can't Mm -hmm. believe how good he turned out to be and good defensive player too all right uh we'll take a a quick break and when we come back we're going to hit on some of the pitchers that really excelled over the 60 game season last year and maybe how they will look this year we'll also hear from the skipper of the miami marlins don mattingly specifically on pitching and how to keep pitchers healthy in 2020 don't go away
2: on the grid.
1: and welcome back to fantasy sports today it seems to be a common thought in baseball for this 60 game season that we have coming up next week that the pitching is of paramount importance to keep them on the field and pitching every five days and maybe the healthiest team ends up winning a world series well I asked Marlin's manager, Don Mattingly, about this, and simply put, I wanted to know if his club was considering doing anything specific with their starting pitching, like quarantining them or keeping them away from the club. And
4: here is what Mattingly had to say as far as keeping his guys on the field. There's only so many spots in the dugout. And, you know, I've heard talks of teams just sending starters home, right? And there's just like a a double-edged sword with that. Because if the starter comes and he works out and he goes home and the only day he stays at the ballpark is the day he pitches, there's a little bit of team in there, right, that's missing. When the celebration of a wins and what's going, on, going to go on, if we're able to, to put wins on the board as the season goes on and, and put ourselves in a position, there's just a feeling that goes on with that. And that growth is strong and that bond gets stronger. And if that guy's back at the hotel every time or he's home, home every time a team comes off the field after a big win or something, he's just not part of that. So that, there's, like a, there's, a, there's a little bit of a, a weights and balances to that thought. Uh, the, the thought of traveling like ahead of time or on their own is totally out because one of the things is we want to try to limit any kind of public travel as much as we can. Keep everybody as close into the bubble, I guess, as you can when you're traveling. So we're all together and everybody's going through the protocols and things like that. At least you know what your teammates and things have been going on. So um, the travel part is together. Uh, The other part is, is worth the discussion. But it is something that gets, it's like, how do you weigh that? And how do you balance that? So,
1: Joe, essentially there, what Mattingly is saying is I think a lot of teams are going to do. There's got to be a dynamic to having pitchers healthy. It has to happen. It's the most okay. important part of the season. But as Mattingly alluded to, you also don't want to eliminate the idea of your pitcher wins, and then the team is celebrating after wins, and then that guy is not there for every <laughs> single one of his starts. So there's got to be somewhere in between. Uh, my guess is is that it's going to be a happy medium, Joe, um, I, I think that some pitchers are going to leave the ballpark and go back to their hotel after they win. Uh, I think some will stay. But the one thing that Mattingly was clear on, and I think most teams have probably learned at this point, is that, one, is that there's not going to be – because I thought a good idea, Joe, would be uh, not having the pitchers travel at all with the team and having them travel separate yeah. and basically That'd have a start and go to the next place and that's it and not interact with anyone uh, but because of the bubble that the Major League Baseball teams are trying to keep contained, they don't want anyone being removed from that because mm. they feel like they have that containment. So uh, going back to the hotel is possible, sitting somewhere else in the stands after they pitch is possible. But uh, that was the point that I tr- wanted to try to make here on the show, Joe, is and I think that most people are now starting to realize and come around to this that, yeah, I mean, Freddie Freeman's a very important player and, and uh, MVP-type mm-hmm. player. But Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, even Strasburg, like those guys, something happened to them in the first or second week. It's game changing for the whole league then with them not being there. And so, you know, it makes your bullpen have to pitch more. It bumps everybody up in the rotation. And so in a season where we don't want to give the MVP to a pitcher,
3: it may very well be that way this year. The pitchers are the most important part of the season. I'll take a step further, you know, on this program, I said Josh Hader has a real chance to win the NL Cy Young this year. And now that DeGrom might be hurt to start the year, who knows? Maybe that's uh, not so hot of a take after all. I think it's also going to be won and lost in the bullpens, not just the depth you have in a bullpen, but the quality of arms you have back there, which is very tricky. There's a lot of haves and have nots when it comes to the bullpen. And with the amount of stress that's gonna be on the starting pitchers here, uh, for so many reasons, the, the bullpens are really going to show out. And I think that is so much more important. Like, because we talk about pitching, everyone's mind always goes to the starter, the starter, the starter. But you know what? In a, in a 60-game season where you're not worried about, well, you know, five months from now, how's this guy's arm going to hold up now? It's all about winning in this very short tournament. And, you're, and it's a good thing that we also have this whole, you know, you can only work the one hitting at a time rule. Because mm-hmm. I can't imagine with the expanded rosters and all of that, how long some of these games might be with some of the Integral a little like I'm gonna take this guy out and pitch to this guy, this guy to that guy. It would have gotten completely out of control, in my opinion. So I think that the bullpens are the other big focus right now. I think the teams with the better bullpens are going to be the teams that really have a shot at the postseason as we go through this 20 uh, 20- game, this 2020 season. Excuse me.
1: All right, so let's take a look at last year's season from April through June <clears throat> and see the strikeout leaders as it pertains to those couple of months. Garrett Cole had 102 through the first couple of months. Verlander had 94. Sale 94. Of course, he's out of the year. Uh, Steven Strasburg had 90. Max Scherzer had 90. Trevor Bauer had 87. <laughs> and so uh, this is pretty much the guys that were the strikeout leaders, Joe, last year at the end of the year. I know Flaherty came on late. Walker Bueller came on late yep. too. Those guys need to be mentioned as well. but uh, And Bieber too is another one that uh, mm-hmm. had strikeouts. But I, I, I think that this is pretty much, at least from a pitching perspective, outside of sale representative of what we could see this year.
3: Yeah, and I would say that in terms of pitchers, like you're going to probably get somebody to strike out 100 guys. You know, we were talking about is anyone going to hit 400? Is anyone going to hit 20 home runs? Uh, you can see right here, you know, they're scratching that surface of 100 Ks. And I think Garrett Cole is probably the, again, uh, you know, I hate to be boring and chalky, but, you know, sometimes the right answer is the right answer. And sometimes we hit a window with a pitcher, whether it be Roy Halliday, Pedro Martinez, Jacob DeGrom, or there's a window where that's the guy. And I feel like we are living in the window of Garrett Cole right now, and we all have to recognize that and make it easy on ourselves. Basically, uh, Trevor Bauer was the interesting one to me because in his last 14 starts, he had a 5.89 ERA. Over this first part of the year, much different, much different. Look, he's right up there, 87 strikeouts. It's hard to strike guys out when you're, you know, only going four innings in a game. It's it's a big problem here. So you're gonna get knocked off. So uh, for dark horses for strikeouts, looking for guys that might be able to, you know, rise up this list. I want to throw Max Fried out there of oh, the Atlanta Braves. I think that's a guy that could get into this, this discussion right here. I don't know if he's going to have enough to to pass a Verlander or a Cole on the, on the big leaderboard, but I think he could be around 90. I really do, Craig. Is there somebody for you from a strikeout perspective? You know, not Bieber or Flaherty, not the guys that are the obvious ones, but maybe a guy a little off the beaten path that might have a shot at least to contend for the strikeout crown.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Grenke's in the conversation. I think that uh, in terms of strikeouts, anybody that has gone to Houston has seen a significant uptick in games. So uh, while Grenke is not the top strikeout pitcher in baseball, I could definitely see him, you know, uh, harnessing something different, being with mm-hmm. Brent Strom and that crew over there in Houston. So that would be a guy that I would potentially look at. Um, the guy that you like a lot if he ends up making a lot of starts in terms of his K per nine Montas, he's got to pitch all the games. Okay. He like, he's he got to make all those starts. Same I with mean, McCullers. never done it before, but if he does, mm-hmm. it'd be his K per nine is undeniable. So he would be another one
3: that I would consider. Yeah. I would even throw McCullers in there too, as another guy that's going to be towards. His I would not,
1: person. but you know,
3: I, I know you and I differ on that, but I, I'm looking at McCullers and I think people are taking for granted how young he is still and that this guy's basically developed in the major league level. And I think at a certain point, you're going to see that switch flip. And once again, this year, limits are not so much of a concern. What's the pitch count? Can he be a little bit more efficient? Can he make that little step forward? And if he can, uh, we know the offense is going to be good. You know he's going to be able to go out there and compete in games. I think McCullers is another one of these guys with Freed. You kind of just keep on that peripheral there that could approach 90, but I think Garrett Cole is still that guy for 100
1: Okay. And let's take a look at the earned run average uh, leaders last year from April 1st to June the 1st. We have Michael Soroka of the Atlanta Braves who got off to a scorching star, 1.41 earned run average at the beginning of last year. Hunjin uh, Rue, 1.48. Mike Miner, another pitcher that got off to a surprising start last year. I would never have guessed Zach Davies on this list. Wow. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> totally forgot about that. And, uh, and Verlander, of course, here at 2.24.
3: And once again, I am highlighting the the genius of Craig Mish. See, we're going to open up the mind to Mish. We go in there, and he says really smart things once in a while, like, hey, some of these guys are going to come out of nowhere and win these ERA titles and these home run titles and things like that. And boy, oh boy, if Zach Davies doesn't basically stand up and be the poster child for that, I don't know who else yeah, would that, be.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, th- this year in particular for this, for this stat.
3: <laughs> Come on. This is an impossible stat for this. It season, is, right? it is, but again, I think it's just fun to discuss. No, it's it, just fun it, baseball. It,
1: it is, but uh this and then the other one we'll take a look real quick um is saves right now from April to June last year. If you want to make some money, go to the FanDuel Sportsbook when they put up saves numbers and pick somebody that is not on the grid and that is like a hundred <laughs> because you're gonna win. It will not be Kirby Yates, okay? <laughs> BH <laughs> is not going to lead the league in saves. I'm telling you right now, it probably will be no one that you're looking at here. Uh, Shane Green, of course, who you see here, got traded, so he stopped getting saves. Osuna, uh, Kenley Jansen, as well. Um, yeah, I would not predict any chalk on any on any of these. So
3: yeah, hey, look, it's it's one of those things too. When it comes to saves, you're looking for good starting pitching, mediocre offense. That's usually what gets you. Lots of glorious safe opportunities. It's one of the reasons why we've had so many wonderful closers for the Rays every year. Every year it's Farnsworth or or Fernando Rodney or Jake McGee I know, and these guys but Nick Anderson Wayne is not Davis. all
1: the saves there. You know that.
3: What I'm saying is it's that that's the combination. And if you need the perfect case study, it's the Rays. Because the Rays have always been a good enough offense and typically have some good starting pitching that they're rolling out there most of the take, time. I'm
1: gonna take Workman.
3: Uh, I can't do that because they don't have the starting pitching problem. They're too many runs. The variable I'm going
1: to take Brandon many. Workman. That's the guy I'm going to pick. If
3: for. I said to you, what's a team that has good starting pitching and mediocre offense, what, what comes to mind? Cleveland. There you go. So Brad Hand, is that where we're going?
1: No, but they bring Brad Hand in the seven sometimes
3: well i don't know it's tough well, but there's another name too shane green was a guy that nobody would have thought of and talk about a yeah, terrible but now team.
1: he's not getting any saves but yeah he was great in the first half well,
3: i'm just saying like there, there's another ways guys like off the grid so start thinking off the grid a little bit for this category
1: some... absolutely pick yeah. somebody <laughs> totally that doesn't come to mind
3: maybe it's helsey Helsley, too maybe him maybe. from st louis that's not, another guy
1: not, not impossible if he's getting those opportunities all right, uh, Gray Albright from Rasball is going to join us coming up after the break. Don't forget our weekend show. You can catch Saturday morning and Sunday night right here on Sports Grid. Joe, what's coming up on Diamond Bets this weekend?
3: Well, on Diamond Bets, we've got great stuff. we got Bobby Sylvester uh, from Fantasy Pros coming over chatting with us. I'm going to spend some more of Matt Stryker's money because I'm very good at doing that. And also the Welsh from the Black Book and uh, Prospect One is going to join us uh, also. So lots of great baseball. We are so close to baseball and you can feel it in the air happening it's all happening all the feels as the kids say all the all right
1: Uh, gray albright will expand on that when we come back next so don't go away stay on the grid And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Day. As always, every Friday, we check in with Gray Albright from RasBall and RasBall.com. Of course, the baseball season begins next week. We are all jazzed up for that. We're going to get into some discussion, fantasy, reality as well. Gray, it is great to see you here on this Friday. And by the time next Friday comes, we'll have games being played. I believe. I believe that. I do.
5: I do, too. I uh, I really do. I feel like, you know, I was saying... To a friend uh, recently that I think we could have had games in April, but no one knew what they didn't know at the time. So I mean, I understand why it was delayed, but for what's going on right now, I think we could have had we could have had a whole season. I mean, there's gonna be there's gonna be cases of coronavirus happening, but that's just you know that's what's gonna happen, and I feel like. 99.9% like this season's going to happen, and we're going to get 60 games. I, I'm really
1: confident in it right yeah. now. I mean, look, as long as players don't leave their environment, I, I agree with you. If that does happen, I can't count on that. I mean, that's that's the one quantifying thing, Gray, that a month and a half into this, that one dude decides to go out with a buddy to a bar in a unknown location somewhere in America— and comes back infects the whole team and that would shut down uh, effectively that team and i don't know what the protocols are in place for that in particular yeah. but uh, no, I, right. I can't imagine players being that stupid at this point to not understand that so
5: probably, right uh, yeah no completely you know i even i've heard uh i think it was uh dd gregorius was even saying he was gonna wear a mask on the field i, I feel like players are being responsible yeah, i don't I do too. You know yeah. i don't know for sure uh
1: well, you- well, the the, the right. talks basically is every clubhouse has a meeting, and the veterans stand up there and and basically have said, "Hey, if you screw up, we can't do anything to you, but understand you've ruined us forever. Like we are not, you know, you you're done with us if if that happens." And I I don't know to what degree that will be heard or understood, but I know that that's happening in a lot of places. And it, and when it comes from the veterans and the leadership and the team, you would uh, assume that they would keep to it. But again, there's always. Look, we've had guys doing crazy things in all of sports, Gray, that were unpredictable. You would never have expected. So to expect anything less than a little bit of a hiccup, I think, is unreasonable. But hopefully they do keep it going. Have you watched uh, some of these streams in Philadelphia, as you mentioned, or Seattle or Atlanta with them playing against each other? Has, Has that meant anything to you? Have you watched any of that?
5: Uh, not a ton because like with, uh, uh, you know, let's take, uh, Kyle Lewis, for instance, uh, who's having a monster summer camp. He's also, p- he's also playing against Seattle pitching, which isn't so great. So yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like, Oh yeah. Like, um, you know, Hanser, Alberto looks good, but he's going against Oreos pitching, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, Pete Alonso doesn't look good, but he's going against the Grom. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I've watched a little bit of it, but there's a, you know, it's pretty, like, uh, it's hard to say how uh, how much, uh, how predictive it's going to be because there's, like, a really strange case of, you know, inter-squad's just not normal. So I no. don't know. I mean, I know uh, Chico, the Dodgers clubhouse attendant, is looking really <laughs> down the outfield. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he's looking great. And, and look, and, and that's the thing that I that I I don't think people understand that I'm seeing video and tweets and and things like that of oh this guy looks good or this guy hit a home run or this pitcher looks good. We always kid around that spring training doesn't really mean anything, as compared to what we're seeing now. Spring training meant everything as compared. <laughs> I mean, do people not understand that your own starting pitcher on your own team, there's a reason, Gray, that nobody's been hit by a pitch for the last three weeks. They're not throwing inside. They're not going to hurt their own guys.
4: So you're you're not seeing an opponent.
1: Now, next week, when there are exhibition games and it's team against team, I mean, maybe we get a softer indication of something, but you cannot take anything that you're seeing right now and think it's legit. I mean, they're just throwing outside. They're not going to hit the guy. You crazy?
5: right no i know i saw actually mike trout got hit by uh, a pitch yesterday and he uh you know pretended to go charge the mound right but it was all was all proof but yeah i mean it's just you're right i mean they know basically what's coming and it's not gonna be no one's getting challenged no one's like really and they're also facing guys They'll never face again. Yeah, that's true. Traded. So, yeah, uh, it doesn't mean a ton right now. So, I'm not watching a lot of it, but I'm still excited. I'm still, you know, pumped up for the season for next week, no, for sure. I,
1: I, I am too. Let, let me throw something out at you. We had the director of the FanDuel Sportsbook on the show yesterday. Uh, some of the lines are out. This is for betting purposes, but I want to throw one out in particular that I went over and asked him because this is one that I liked. Um, the uh, the leader in stolen bases on the FanDuel sportsbook. The total is seventeen and a half. Uh, Gray, I don't think anyone is stealing seventeen bases this year. I don't know. I just I that was the one that really stuck out at me. I mean, we're basically you know praying to get anybody in the big leagues to steal twenty in a hundred and sixty two games. Do you do you think someone steals twenty in baseball? Yeah, this
5: year? Uh, no, I you know what uh, I know uh, our projections have. I believe Malik Smith. Oh no, no, no. I think maybe Trey Turner uh, leading. With 20? Yeah, with like 19. Like the 17's pretty I mean that's pretty close. We have also um, uh, Giancarlo leading the majors and homers with really 18.
1: what what do you what do you have for a number there? 18. Okay, so, so that would be yeah. that would be under also in terms of
5: home right. yeah. Oh was oh, what was home runs? For twenty-one. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing with like, well, steals uh, specifically, I do think that if a guy gets hot, like a Trey Turner, for instance, he gets hot and he's on base all the time in 60 games, you know, like steals come in bunches. Maybe he could steal like five bags in a week and be bear Yeah. Fair.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. But
5: but am I, or, uh, you know, or Mondesi is another example. No, uh, all those things they,
1: are fair, but here's what they have going against them. Number one, injury. Number two, coronavirus. It's like,
5: right. you, no. you
1: just get any of those, that, you know, factoring in. Yeah. It's like an immediate under. It was one thing when they just had to stay healthy. They can't even do that. Turner hasn't been healthy. Mondesi hasn't been healthy. I guess Smith has. Alex yeah, Smith. right.
5: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think I'm taking unders on everything because of, for that reason alone, right. like right. there's so many unknowns that, like, whereas I do think a season will happen, uh, hoping that a player will play 60 games is asking for a lot right now. Like, like, there's so many unknowns that even, like, you know, for instance, like a guy uh, who uh, just comes in contact with someone needs to get uh, quarantined for a couple days, so he's immediately missing a series against a team or something. Like, even if he doesn't get it, he needs to be, you know, isolated for a few games. So you're, like, you're throwing out, like, you know, you're missing stats because of that.
1: Gotcha. All right, you're doing a fantasy draft uh, right now. You have, uh, you don't have a, a first baseman. You're doing mm-hmm. an auction, and you have about 30 bucks to spend. And mm-hmm. both uh, Freddie Freeman and Anthony Rizzo's names come out back-to-back here. One guy is out with COVID. The other guy is out with a bad back. You can only have one. Who is it?
5: Uh, I, I think it's an easy call for rizzo i uh I still have rizzo I think around like 27 26 twenty seven dollars and uh, approximately like 35 to 40 overall whereas freeman I drop down to around 50 overall uh I just feel like there's a, like freeman if he only misses a week he still hasn't had Base. he hasn't played baseball in months he hasn't like,
1: even been there yeah yeah fair,
5: fair. so it's like even if he misses a week of the season and he get, and he comes back he's still gonna be so rusty I, I'm not you know and there's only 60 games in the season sure, it's sure. not like they're gonna have so much time to get up to speed so yeah I'm I'm away on I'm off on on Freeman that is yeah do,
1: do you have like a bust out or a breakout guy that you've changed from March to now is there anyone in particular that you've been more interested in?
5: No, I have a I, I actually I haven't changed really on any of the guys that I'm interested in uh, you know, except for maybe you know a few specifics uh, because of you know playing time or whatever. but no, I, I like a lot of the same guys like uh, you know Kingery comes to mind. He was out with coronavirus, but he's back now right I really I really like him. JD Davis comes to mind. Yeah. I, really, I really like him. I'm off of Joe Adele now because Madden is saying he may not start with the team. So I was more excited about Adele, but now I'm less excited. But, you know, it's all, like, specifically different guys. Like, I like that I heard Jose Peraza is going to uh, be the starting second baseman in Boston. He mm-hmm. can real cheap speed. So, I, you know, like, it depends on the situation. But I, I like most of the guys that I liked before. I, I don't... I don't think I've changed that much on a lot of guys.
1: Yeah. No, I I looked at my team finally from Labor uh back in yeah. uh in February and, and I'm I only have like a guy out, like one guy out, not bad. Like it turned <laughs> yeah, out. See,
5: okay. I was so excited. I had uh I lost Jordan Hicks, but he was a bench guy and yeah. I didn't really like I didn't factor him in because I have Kimbrell and Melanson and then I also lost Jose Quintana to an injury, but that's. I mean, he could be back soon. It could that's, be worse. For yeah. You. Exactly. No, I know some guys lost a lot of guys. I'm like, yeah. Wow. I have
1: Erkitty on uh, Houston. Yeah. 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 That's not bad. Yeah. I mean, one guy can't complain with that. No. Uh, all right. So, uh, so tell us a little bit before the season starts, if people want to see all the rankings over at Ball and get ready for the fantasy baseball season next week. Gray, they got one week to do it. How can they do it? <laughs> How they can, can go to Rasball.
5: How can they do it? Yeah, go to rasball.com and search for our rankings. Uh, you know, if you're just get, I was saying this actually the other day to someone that was like, if you're just getting to fantasy baseball for the first time this year, it's gonna be a weird year to get into it. You're
1: gonna be like, I love it.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow. Take closers in the first twenty overall. Uh-huh. Don't take any top starters. And and Mike Trout could be as valuable as Oscar Mercado in sixty games. That's surprising. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I mean, anything goes this year for sure. Yeah. Uh, check Gray out over at RasBall.com for all of their rankings. And, of course, the Razz Bowl Fantasy Football is coming up as well. Gray, mm-hmm. always great to catch up with you here and have a great weekend. And we will see you next Friday here on the show. I look forward to it, okay?
5: Awesome, man. Have a good one.
1: All right, we caught Gray uh, singing a little bit before the show. If you're watching the show yeah. now, head on over to our SportsGrid social media. We're going to post a little bit of him singing Runaway Train. I only got like the last five seconds, unfortunately. (laughs) You can see that on social media. All right, uh, thanks to everybody who watched the show, participated today. Thanks also to Matt Sells, who was on the program earlier previewing the big NASCAR race coming up this Sunday. Uh, Thank you to Brett, Danny, Ryan, for all the work that they do. Of course, don't forget our time switch is effective on Monday. We are moving this show from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. So that's on the east, 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern time. I know a lot of you are watching this show and listening to the show on demand. And if you are, you don't have to do a thing. But if you want to watch the show live on Roku or any of the Sports Grid apps that we have, YouTube as well, make sure you tune in noon Eastern on Monday. That is when Joe and I will be back. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will talk to you then. Stay on the grid this weekend. See you.